You're listening to The Max with Sterling and Taylor Mack. Highly opinionated, and you just might learn something. Come on in and enjoy the listen. To The Max, Max Brothers here on the East Coast. I'm up here on the Beach Coast. Sterling, how you doing? Doing well, man. Getting into another Labor Day weekend, which means we got football starting up. Baseball starting to mean something. It's a good time. It is. Playoff baseball's back. Football is back. High school football. Friday night lights is a lot of people are playing Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It, I mean, have you you rolled this weekend? I mean, most people you're, you're going to hear this after the weekend's over with. So we're going to get into college week, college football week two. But to just enjoy the weekend, every single day is going to have football on it. I think Sunday is going to have NFL football. Not a, not exactly sure. Uh, there'll be some games. I mean, college really takes over. I mean, college goes until Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Louisville versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame comes down to Louisville seven o'clock on Monday. So that'll be a pretty good game. Uh, But let's just let's just all right. Since we're already on it, let's just get into college football. We're talking week two college football because week one, um, everybody's we're already everybody's going to be watching that already going through that. But for week two, I have a very strong take that everybody needs to listen up. Heed this warning. If you get in front of this, you can make some serious money. And what I'm talking about is Army versus Michigan. Saturday, 12 p.m. in the big house. I'm seeing a huge upset. Um, that's bold. I don't agree. But, um, yeah, I mean, not a bad take, though. 12 o'clock, you know, Army coming in. I, I don't. Why, why do you think that's an upset? Take the under on this one, 100%, or just take them out, take them as the winner straight out. Because last year, let's look at Army's track record in the past two years. Biggest one being last year going into Oklahoma. Uh, they were a 20-point favorite. Oklahoma was a 20-point favorite, won the game by like four or seven, something like that. Let me look at the look at it again. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, Army, past two years, beaten Navy. Offense is more wide open. I'm not comparing Navy to Michigan, but just having that momentum these past couple of years going into Oklahoma, I think either winning at half uh, or it was like really close at half, but then finishing it off and then it was an unbelievable game. So they almost upset Oklahoma. I think you can carry that. Michigan doesn't play well in the first early portion of the year. They they, they just don't. That's just how, how Michigan started their years off under Harbaugh. You could see a major upset. Or potentially, if you take the under, bet heavy on it, you'd be good. Yeah, I, I definitely go there. I think the under probably would be um, a good bet. I mean, I think the two for me that I think are interesting, Buffalo, Penn State. Um, sh- you know, we talked about Penn State a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. where they are with their program. Uh, obviously, where they are losing so much from the offensive side of the ball, losing uh, Trace McSorley, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kind of their first test of the of the year. Yeah, you know, how does that all respond? Buffalo's not not a team that you, you would you would say you'd be particularly uh, afraid of, but they've really made some jumps in basketball football in the last few years. Yeah, um, they have. And and just a game that I think it's one of those early games where Penn State has had some games uh, over the past years where they have not gotten off to great starts. Uh, and so that that's one I've actually been tracking. The other one, obviously, for me, though, is 
Texas A&M Clemson. And I think we all, if you watch Clemson again, 3.30 ABC. We're taping this on Friday. So if you, if you watch Clemson last night playing against Georgia Tech, I think you have this understanding of, of athlete, right? Clemson's mm-hmm. got, they got some dudes. Yeah. ATN, 90-yard TD run. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, like we said before, Buddy can run. People are, now they're going to say he's sneaky athletic. So they they have athleticism on the board. The thing that I think people kind of forget though is like Georgia Tech is coming off of uh, a, a big time program change, right? Uh, Paul Johnson retires. It's just a whole different regime now that they're trying to do down there. So what you saw on the field from Georgia Tech, I don't think is representative of what you should expect week after week uh, for, for what Clemson should be going up against, especially the fact that Texas A&M, I think, is going to have some of the same dudes. Uh, 100% agree with that. And Kellen Bond is a guy that has now started. Uh, this will be his second year being a full-time starter. I think he kind of understands a little bit more, right, of what's needed from him. He can run it. He can throw it a little bit. To me, I thought there were a ton of opportunities for Georgia Tech to make plays. They just didn't have the athletes to do it. Now that could have been game one jitters and all that type of stuff. Um, but I, I think Texas A&M is one of those where they could definitely come in and, and, and make some noise and, and have an upset here early. So. They probably can, um, especially being, you know, under year two. And with the – I think he's a quarterback whisperer um, with Jimbo Fisher. And Jimbo's getting better recruits. He's bringing South Florida boys in because they trust him for what he did at Florida State. So. Uh, yeah, in year two, I think Texas A&M going into Clemson is going to be a big, sleep, you know, a, a good match to look at. Um, also, you have Kennesaw State going into Kent State. If you just want to be a degenerate gambler, just take Kennesaw State for the W on that one. Kennesaw State, very sneaky good. That's just that's a degenerate trifecta there. It really is. You got Kennesaw State, you got Army, and if people were able, if you listen to my radio program. 97.9 up here out of Worcester. You can listen online for our Thursday 1 o'clock show. I have Holy Cross beating Navy as well because Navy has a new offensive coordinator from Hawaii. So just like Georgia Tech, they're going to be airing the ball out, and it's going to be a lot more kinks that you have to work through. going to be really interesting with that one. Uh, but how do you feel about this number six matchup of LSU going in to uh, – Texas. Oh, Texas. By the, uh, by, by the way, I was gonna. I was looking at to go to go to this game. Guess how much the uh, upper nosebleed tickets were? Probably three fifty, four hundred. Four hundred. Sounds about right. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. You gotta love some of these games early in the season. Even like last night watching UCLA and Cincinnati. It's like you, I just want to see stuff like that. Because uh, it gets a no, it gets really boring seeing big time schools beat up a little time schools. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I like Texas in the game just because I think they're home. Just because I think uh, I'm a big. I, I, I think Texas from what they did last year was not a fluke, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they have the right quarterback in that system with Tom Herman. Um, and we'll see. I mean, LSU's got a ton to prove with us. We've talked about that a little bit, right? Can can what they have at quarterback be enough? Uh, and I don't know. I, I think going into Texas is going to be really difficult there. Uh, let me ask this question because 
you you you're not thinking Texas this season last year was a fluke. This is what you just said. I did say that. Yep, that was that was. So, what are your thoughts on the Auburn game? I mean, the Georgia game that they had, or is is that not a fluke anymore? No, 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 no. Okay, so so from our conversation, so, so how you back? Week, no, no, you just backpedal. I'm, I'm not backpedaling. There's no backpedaling. There's no backsliders here. No backsliding. Backslider. There's no backsliding here. There's listen. I, I think the Georgia game is fluky because of the situation, right? I think Georgia expected to be in a different place. They were not there. And because of that, they laid an egg, right? So I just think you look at that game in a vacuum. Nine times out of ten, Georgia is going to blow Texas out last year. I, I just, I really think Georgia was a great team last year. Now, that's not saying I don't think Texas made some strides and did some things that were really, that were really good on the field last year. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. No backslide now. I needed some clarity because that's it. Still sounds like a backslider to me, but. You got Texas taking uh taking out LSU there. I don't know. I don't have the spread pulled up for. Them. I just have the games. I'm just going straight up for who I think will take the take the W on this one. I don't have the the point spread either. Um, it's going to be an entertaining game. Like you said, I mean these week first week second week games are looking really good. People are changing up the strategy because you have to now to appease you know everybody. I don't even know who's in the committee this year, but you have to do everything you can to appease them so that you can get in to those four slots. Uh, and they're because they're going to be like, well, your first your week one game was versus uh, Furman. So why should you get in when Georgia yeah. played so, such and such in the first game? Or, you know, we can go why Georgia Tech play Clemson first. It's important if you're a big time school, right? Like I'll, I'll make fun of my alma mater right now. Like Indiana's playing Ball State, right? That They should. Right. Indiana needs wins at the beginning of the season to try to become bowl eligible. If right. you're a team like LSU or Texas, you need early season wins against formidable formidable opponents, excuse me, so that to your point, right, you look the committee looks at you in in a wider range, not just, you know, look at Alabama a couple of years ago, right? They they lose late late in the season, they don't go to the SEC championship game, but mm-hmm. because of what they had had early in the season, they played some early games and because they blew out everybody, right? They get into the playoff and they end up winning that year. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's good. It's just good scheduling, and and it makes for great. I'm sitting on the couch all Saturday, and I'm interested. Oh, Not we're worried. being very selfish right now. I, I, it's it's about my Saturday. It is. It, it it it's 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 perfect. And then once football kicks off uh, Sunday night or Sunday fo- Sunday football, then I'm just gonna do degenerate, just sitting on the couch like a vegetable on Sundays. It's it's a it's been perfect so far. Uh, uh, can we talk real quickly about the fact that UConn only beat Wagner by three points? Yeah, we can because if you really look at the game, let's not look at the final score. Obviously, no. there was literally a twenty-point swing that would have happened. No. Uh, you had they had like like five first downs the entire game. Like our defense controlled the entire game. You had the mishap of, you- but that's I think that's the issue, right? Is you should control that game from a different. A defensive side of the ball you should also control the offensive side of the ball right you you should um and so now what i think we're on a, a new or this is this either a new oc or this this is the second year for this oc um not a, exactly a hundred percent sure i know we have a brand new d coordinator on this on that side of the ball so you have a lot of freshmen stepping up but defensively you control the game um you have a drive where you could have gone up by three scores, I think, and then on a fourth and three, you as a 
freshman or rookie quarterback, you go with a predetermined read thinking that the flat's going to be wide open and you're read like a book because you didn't look anywhere else except for the flat pick six. So you take that bad tackling on one play by the defense that they, they laid an egg on. And then you have a three point win, whereas you could have had a 20 point win. So it's a swing in that direction. But if you look at everything that happened and then look at the improvements that you have from what you had last year in, in the opening game, there's zero, basically zero big plays. Yeah, it's a three-point win, but I say there's a lot of improvement from what you had happened. Of course, you want to win those games by 20 plus, and that's how we were winning those games in the past. Um, but you, you know, we're, we're just a slight change, making improvement. Let's see how I, I say the litmus test is Illinois and Indiana, and see where we compare against Big D1 programs. So. Now, no worries about the three-point win. Love to see the number be bigger. But when we really look at the tape, tape spoke volumes. Uh, it's a great spin right there by uh, – That's not a spin. The, that's just, the, the that's just, that's just what it is. This is, uh, this is me not being an alumnus okay. alumni of University of Connecticut. I think it's problematic when you win by three against a school like Wagner. I think it's also problematic because of what this season – for the total, like what the season means for UConn football, right? Means um, it, it means so much because uh, of what's coming down the road. Three point wins against Wagner are going to continue to kind of deflect, right? Poorly against the program. That also deflects against the, the type of recruits that you're going to possibly be able to bring in in the future. I think that's that's how I look at it. I look at it from the outside looking in. It's like you want. If you're a UConn fan or if you're just a fan of, you know, old Big East basketball or however you want to look at that, right, you hope that UConn's able to have a really good season to try to somehow put themselves back on the map from a football perspective. So but you win a three-point win against Wagner. So you win this one by three. You go to Illinois comes in. Say you lose to Illinois by five or you beat Illinois by three. If you lose to Illinois, you have problems. But if you, all right, if you lose to Illinois by five, or like you beat them by three. Are you still saying like, oh, this is that's that's a bad loss, or uh, you should have? Okay, you want you want another close one. Just keep building. It's a building block. So that's what the team is doing. Is just you're no, you're, you're grinding out. No, I think be no. I think if listen, you beat Illinois by three. I think it's a good step, right? I don't think I don't think Illinois traveling to to UConn like you should win that game. I also, just I just don't think Illinois is very talented. No offense to any player on that team. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a very winnable game. Um, so we have two Big Ten teams coming, or one's coming, then we go to IU. So I think this one's more winnable than IU just compared just off of how our DBs played last year. I have to see what we look like against an air raid offense. It wasn't good last year. So with an offense that just throws the ball, I think Indiana is going to be a bigger challenge than what Illinois will be. You know, Indiana's got a new quarterback. To your point, right? We're slinging around a little bit more. You know, that the rock's gonna be packed. It's, it's a tough thing. This it's not. A real it's, thing. it's not tough to play in the rock. It is. It is not. I don't care that they just closed the the north end off either. Not tough to go. It's, it's a real thing. That's that's. Hey, man, it's hard to play up there. You know what I'm saying? It's hard you know to play you, up there. You know how you win in Indiana? You score early because the no, fans don't because the fans don't get in until the end of the first quarter. And then once they see that the games uh, say like, oh, we're down by 14 is all right. Let's just go to brothers at like three, you know, have like five minutes into the third quarter. Let's just let's just take it on down to brothers and sports. Let's just let's just leave. And then fourth quarter, uh, end of the third and you go in the fourth. They, no crowd. People go to, people go. go to Dunkirk now. People go to Dunkirk now. 
Oh, Dunk, Dunkirk. That's what it is. Yeah. That's that's the new move. That's the hot Dude. spot. That's the hot spot these days. Uh, yeah. Score early before the fans get in and the fans see that they're losing. Fans leave halfway through the third. Then you don't have to worry about the crowd the entire time. We're good. I mean, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming with straight disrespect. Good luck to you with the disrespect. That's, that's, uh, that's for week three. You know, we'll see how that works out for you. I don't know. I just don't know if that's going to work out for you, but good luck to you. It, it, I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate that. Let's bring it back to week two. Uh, two more games that I wanted to look at. Sleeper game that can kind of go either way. Syracuse at Maryland. Syracuse is 22. Syracuse is replacing a lot of uh, – you have two wide receivers that you're replacing that I think had 700 yards basically apiece um, last year. Quarterback replacement. Uh, running back is still good. Defense looks fine. Maryland, though, you get your quarterback back. He's healthy again. That took down Texas last year. And you're coming back uh, with a year two here. Uh, well, one, you have a new new catch. The interim head coach is the head coach now. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So you get to build on that for year two. And uh, you get your QB back that is your most dynamic player on the field and transforms this team. I could see Maryland having a very strong year. I can't too. I think we, we forget everything that, you know, the, the tragic loss that happened last year, mm-hmm. uh, well, obviously during practice. And then you, you move forward with losing as many players as they did last year from the offensive side of the ball. Maryland was a pretty good team last year. Um, and, and can Syracuse, I don't say bounce back, but right, can they have another season like they did last year? Right. Uh, I'm with you. I think I think this will be a really good game. Obviously, there's no spread at the moment, but it's at Maryland right early in the season. I like, to your point, Maryland's quarterback coming back is huge, right? And they, to be honest, they lost two of them last year, right? They lost their starter and their backup. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's a game to watch, especially the fact that Syracuse right now is ranked. And then lastly, you got the bitter, smart rivalry, rivalry. Out in the West Coast, the best coast, in the Coliseum, Stanford versus USC. I wish Harbaugh was still there and Pete Carroll because they just didn't like each other. So it had nothing to do with the players. But if he could run it up 30 points on you, he's going to run it up. But you don't kind of get that same rivalry now. But you got number 25, Stanford, David Shaw, who should go to the pros, but I respect him staying. No, I think he. I think he's very solidified at Stanford. Uh, this is a huge game, man. USC's yeah. got some some big games this year. Helton's uh, could yeah. determine what happens to him at the end of this year. I mean, this is game. yeah. I mean, I think this is this is the start of it, right? You yeah. you lose a Stanford early in the season, uh, one to put you in a bad position for the Pac-12, but also like it just it it, it could be a snowball effect, right? We saw it last year. Really, that that team just was not very. They were not disciplined. They were mm-hmm. not good off on the offensive side of the ball. Um, if you if you can't do both of those things right, you can't be disciplined. If you're not disciplined and you're making penalties and false starts and all these other things, Stanford's going to take advantage. And again, if you can't move the ball offensively, you're going to be in trouble. And let's I'm pulling up the schedule, but let's let's take a dive into this. So you have the USC schedule. Yeah. So USC because I'm just trying to see whenever he plays. It's tough. Ari- right? they go- Arizona Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, look at the schedule. Right. It's it's. Than I think you think, right? Fresno State tomorrow night, not an easy game. Fresno State's not a terrible team. They were top 25 last year. No Reggie Bush to make that cutback uh, against them. 
Then, mm-hmm. like we're talking about week two, Stanford, huge game for them, huge game to get off on the right path in the Pac-12, Pac-10. Then BYU, if you sit and watch that game, that was you have questions about BYU. Uh, then you get Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame. This is really what make or breaks USC season. Yeah, Washington and Notre Dame are at both of those places. I think that's that that that's the gauntlet right there. That Helton's probably sitting back, and his assistants are doing a ton of ton of film and prep work for probably right now, right? Right. Um, and I don't see them having a six. I think Utah's better than them. I think Washington's better than them. I think Notre Dame's better. And with Washington could make a sleeper run to the uh, Final Four because Jacob Eason. That boy can sling it, man. He's he's the reincarnation of Matt Stafford, but now he's away from the, you know, 100-plus bars that are over in uh, UGA. Sometimes we need a reset. You know, it's tough. You you got to. Sometimes, listen, there's a lot of things in Athens, and we all understand that. Yeah, there's, there's... there's too many things, too much in Athens. Um, but let's let's get the breakdown going. It's the it's that time of the year. It's re-downloading, whether if you're on ESPN, you're on Yahoo, you use NFL Network. I don't know why you use NFL Network. Terrible. But fantasy football is back, and it's time, ladies and gentlemen. Time to make them picks. The correct picks. Yep. Talk to them. Um, so obviously really the way to go for fantasy this year, I think everybody's looking the the overarching theme of this year for fantasy is the fact that everybody is either getting somebody back or you have departures on a new team. So chemistry is what needs to be made now. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, you take a look at Carson Wentz. Yeah, we know he's good, but is he going to, be comfortable again, you know, scrambling, using that knee, having the confidence that he once had, and then also getting, you know, the timing down with all the receivers in live action um, to put up the numbers that you need to see. You have Le'Veon Bell with the Jets now, and is he going to hit his stride that you saw? Are they going to use him in the same fashion? Is Sam Darnold going to be good? How's that chemistry going? How's AB going to be doing with Derek Carr? So everything that you can look at now, so you can miss Saquon Barkley, you can miss Christian McCaffrey, but it depends on if Cam Newton comes back and he's healthy. You can miss on those type of players and still get an AB late in the first uh, or in a second. I th- you can, you don't, I don't know. People, People might not. You you might see Le'Veon dropping in the second round, possibly. You just don't know. So you don't want to panic this year, is what I'm saying, because there's going to be a lot of available talent. You're going to have Thielen possibly drop in the second. You might have Robert Woods sitting there. You might have Cooper Cup in the second round. So there's a lot of places you can go. All, but my main point before we dive into names, don't panic. There is a lot of factors that are going to go into this season. Yeah, I love to start there because with fantasy – it's tough to it's tough to always try to uh, figure out like who's going to be the big time name, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, Kamara, McCaffrey were kind of the big ones. Injuries are big deals. Um, there's two names you just talked about there: Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Le'Veon Bell is going to a situation where, yeah, he's going to be utilized probably similarly like he was in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but with the worst quarterback and with the worst offensive line. And most likely on a team that the Jets defense actually isn't bad. 
But if they ever do get down, right, they're in passing mode with a rookie quarterback, right? So what does that we'll kind of mean for his we'll give him sophomore year? You still want to call him a rookie? Oh, good point. My bad. Sophomore, yeah, my bad. Sophomore year. Um, and then to A B, I honestly don't think he plays 16 games. And I because I of his foot or because he's gonna do something stupid. I think he'll do something stupid. I just think and I don't mean that like in like he's gonna like hurt somebody. I just think he, that relationship with John Gruden, and I don't think Derek Carr is very good. Right. I think it all blows up at some point. I just don't see him playing 16 games. So that's to me, it's always scary, right? And that, especially if you're trying to draft him in the first round. See, that's so like that's just the thing. It makes it makes no sense how Derek Carr was missing Amari Cooper, or just not throwing it to him at all. I don't. I don't tell me it's the offense and going through the reads. If he's the number two read, but I know he's getting three feet of separation, I'm just gonna come to Amari Cooper. I'm going. So, I'm, he even if he's not my first, like he's my first. Look. He's my, exactly. So they're gonna feed him the ball. Like he's gonna be the first look for being a, as as a B. Like you said, is can Derek Carr make that throw? Is the question. And the good thing that he has now, I mean, Amari Cooper was really the same thing. But if it's a go route, you're not going to overthrow Antonio Brown. He's going to run under just about anything. So hopefully he can make a lot of these bad throws look good for Derek Carr and Derek Carr can, you know, be worth the hundred and twenty five or whatever million dollars that he ended up getting. But it's going to it's, it's really going to be interesting. So who are you going with first pick? Um, for fantasy? Uh, so it depends on the league, right? So, well, not PPR. Not really. let's, let's just do it flat. Let's for PPR, PPR, I think, so like I, I just had a draft yesterday. Um, my first pick was Saquon Barkley. And I think he is going to get the ball a lot. I think Daniel Jones is going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually going to help them a little bit more. They're going to spread the ball, and he's going to just do – I mean, he's amazing, right? Yeah, now, yeah. I had the first pick in the draft, so that makes sense. I think if you are in anywhere from like one through five, I think you try to find like um, either take McCaffrey or or uh, Kamara. I actually like taking Gurley too. I think people are kind of freaking out about the knee. Like from all accounts, he looks great. Yeah, that's that's a sleeper. I think he's rated low at being fourteen. Should have been a top five. He he's going to be utilized very. Like he's just not going to. He's not going to be on the field as much as he was last year, but he'll be utilized very similarly, if that makes any sense. It does, because because they get Cooper cut back. Now the field is completely spread out. Robert Woods isn't going to be the focal point. Um, And and, uh, what's his name in the slot? So everything's going to be spread out. You're going to have the offense, the full full force offense that they had last year before the injuries plagued this team. So I think – He's going to be a very good pickup to have. So I would I would look at Gurley as well. I think it's a good pick. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, to the fifth pick, if you have it, I would go with look. I think Julio Jones is the best receiver in the game, but mm-hmm. Hopkins is going to get more chances, more opportunities, just the way that they're that offense run in Texas. That is true. Um, would you not take OBJ? So let's talk about the Browns. Let's talk about let's talk about the Browns, man. Let's talk about my big, big Mayfield out here on GQ. You know what I'm saying? Do the getting commercials. Up, get, getting all the love that Cam Newton should have had when Cam Newton came out. But some reason they're blowing Baker up for his personality, but Cam's was was a negative. Mm. But I don't want to go down that route. I don't want to do that today. It's Labor Day weekend. I'm trying to keep it fun. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, that was spicy. It was a spicy take right there. Um, yeah, so I think the thing with Baker that we forget if you watched him last year is he loves to utilize the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. So that's running backs. Uh, that's their tight end. David Njoku. That's exactly. And that's also going to be Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. I think Jarvis Landry is rated really low fantasy-wise. Now, of course, Odell Beckham changes things. He is unbelievable. But if you've ever watched, if you watched Baker last year, if you watched, now you got to remember too who's now the head coach who was calling the plays last year. How they want to utilize the field is to utilize the middle, use the run game, and then obviously let Baker just make plays like he can. OBJ is going to get his chances. He's going to he's going to be great because he's great. Right. But I, I I would stick to those type of guys with Baker because it just fits the, his mold and how he likes to play football. That's a good take. Uh, obviously, you can have Njoku putting up numbers. I'm not going to say he's going to be Travis Kelsey, but consistency where you're going to have PPR league or you know 20 yard catches and then also looks in the red zone. Uh, Callaway can also be a sleeper. I look at Njoku the same way that I look at as a sleeper pick, like Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is going to be the clear number two uh, to Julio Jones in the Atlanta offense, mm-hmm. and could be frustrating to some point to to some people who do grab Julio. Um, and you're like, why isn't Julio getting these touches? Calvin Ridley is just in the perfect spot in the slot. A one receiver gets separation, and Matt Ryan has got a good chemistry with him. So I look for him and Joku to be. Uh, good pickup as pickups as well. And then with Cleveland, Nick Chubb, do you take him second, third round, or possibly even first, depending on how far down you are? I don't think first round. I definitely think if you're late second round and you missed on a one of those top running backs in the first round, you took a receiver or something like mm-hmm. that. I would definitely take him. Definitely if you're in the third round and you need him as a flex or second running back, I'd definitely take him. I mean, he's he's gonna get the ball all the time. Right. right, and they're trying to utilize him more out of the backfield as well. Like he'll he'll be on the field a lot of times, three downs. Um, so until and the question right becomes until Kareem Hunt comes. True, which is where do you draft Kareem Hunt, knowing that he's got a four game suspension? You Ten draft games. him. Oh, it's ten. Yes. Oh, because he, uh, he. I thought it was four. No. Oh, oh, are you sure? Yes. Are you positive? Yeah. I'm going to have to Google this one real quick. I'm, I thought it was four. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a PED suspension. This is a domestic violence suspension. Um, yeah, so I think that's the only, other, the only thing. That's the risk, right? But if, if you're 10 games in and Chubb has provided that value to you, mm-hmm. not terrible. Now I think you just have to like figure out your roster after that. I would take it, right, because that's – that you hope that, that helps you win six or seven games. Uh, but it, you also don't know what Kareem Hunt's going to bring when he comes back. Like, he's a better player than Chubb, but you just don't know. So, you, Yeah, you really don't. Um, when you keep looking at the – when you keep going down the list, obviously, on Johnson is going to be a great pickup as well. Huge what do you – That's a great third-round pick. Yeah, what, do you, what do you do with Mike Evans and Joe Mixon? Oh, man. Uh, these are these are too tough because obviously Mike Evans, if you break it down, only option for Jameis Winston to throw to. But therein lies the problem. Jameis Winston, Joe Mixon, you're on the Bengals. You just don't know what the Bengals are going to do. AJ has the foot thing. And then it's just it's CP. It's Carson Palmer. 
Bengals are going to oh, struggle. Sorry, Andy, Andy Dalton. Why did I say college for Christmas? Oh, what? I went. Year? 2005? <laughs> yeah, I went all the way back. Early 2000s for that one. No. Old Tiger Stripes. Um, let's start with Joe Mixon. I, it's now his backfield, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's something to kind of think about as, as far as what they used to have as, um, up there in Cincinnati. It's, it's kind of his show. So I would, I would take him just because of that. Also, the fact that you're not going to have A.J. Green for the first couple of games. So he's just going to get a ton of touches, right? Same with Tyler Boyd. On the flip side of that, to the Bucks, um, yeah, I don't know what you do with Mike Evans. I would not draft Mike Evans very high. If you get him, like, in the fourth round, like, awesome, right? If you feel like you need a big – if you feel like you need a big play receiver. Yeah. But to be honest, I would – I think you're going to get the same value from, like, a – Deshaun Jackson up there in Philly that you are with a Mike Evans. Ooh, ooh, that's that's a new take. I didn't. I, I don't know if I can agree with that one. From a fantasy football perspective, well, I I think if you can get him fourth, well, that's what I'm saying, right? Sixth like, round, that's a steal. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? So it's like, okay, if Mike Evans falls to you at three, do you wait and take a better value player, like maybe mm-hmm. another running back or something like that, or maybe a different receiver? Mm-hmm. And just get if if that's what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for someone that's going to have three catches that day for 120 yards and a TD, right? Deshaun Jackson's also going to be out there. And to your point, in like the sixth round, do we trust D Jack like that nowadays? Though, man, he still flies. Like he and takes now, the top off defense. Takes the top off the defense. <laughs> and Carson Wentz has a cannon. And you got to think too, like how that how that offense is set, right? You got you still got Nelson Aguilar, uh, you still got what the fuck? I can't think of his name. You uh, still got Alshon Jeffrey. The problem with the Eagles is they don't have a solidified running game, right? But right. But what that running but running game becomes for them is quick game. Quick game kind of becomes their running game. So you go quick game, obviously medium medium to like kind of long passing with what Alshon does, and then you mm-hmm. got the top off right. With, with what D-Jack does. You know who should have a breakout year again this year, being healthy, Vontae Freeman. Actually, or or no, do you not tr- – do you, do you no. trust the Atlanta offense with Dirk Cutter? No, uh, that's the quick answer. Uh, I don't trust Devontae Freeman. I hate to say that. I think he's done a ton for the Falcons in Atlanta. I just I just think his body's in a tough position that you, you've seen in the last couple of years, his body's broken down. Mm-hmm. I think you'll get a few games out of him. Listen, if you draft Devontae Freeman in like the third round, I feel you. I appreciate you. Um, but I think after the fifth, sixth game, you're going to start seeing what he's had the last few years, and that's injuries pop up. Uh, can you trust? Let's let's go with the the shaky players that you can't really trust on the fields. No disrespect to them. It's just the situations that they're in. Uh, T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack with Indianapolis, sure. and then also Derrick Henry with Tennessee. How are we looking at those? I actually trust Derrick Henry. I think he's just going to get the ball a lot, no matter who the quarterback is. Um, we've had this discussion about Mariota. I think at some point Tannehill will play. Either that's due to Mariota playing poorly or injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I trust Derrick Henry. On the flip side of that, I think the person that's hurt the most from this is act not is actually Marlon Mack. Mm. And I say that because when you had Andrew Luck, you knew – Either he was throwing the ball, like it, their their offense just had a flow to it. It was. It was Marlon's getting the ball, or he's throwing it, and Marlon could possibly get it out the backfield. Exactly. And then, but if it's third and long, he's coming out, and uh, what's his name is coming in. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. 
Um, but Marley can also stay in, but it was perfect. They're gonna they're gonna make Jacoby Brissett beat them. And that means there's gonna be some different defenses really focused on Marlon Mack. Now, of course, they teams had also double TY, but I think he's gonna get some single coverages just for the fact that they're gonna just they're gonna make Jacoby Brissett like make a throw, right? Right. And so I think the person that's hurt by that is Marlon Mack. And T.Y. Hilton can get open and make some plays. You never know what happens. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have a big year um, after winning Rookie of the Year, Philip Lindsay. Um, Just because of the consistency at quarterback play that you're going to get from Joe Flacco. Are you saying you're taking Joe Flacco in the sixth round? Ooh, I wasn't thinking that, but – Emmanuel Sanders is back. Mm-hmm. Feet looking fresh. Ain't worried about the injury. Mm-hmm. And, Came up with too. and you know, big play Joe. That's not his name. It's really even keel Joe does not make those mistakes and will keep you in the game. So if you can have a very balanced attack from the passing game, Philip Lindsay should be wide open from the running game, I think. I, I agree with that. I think I think he's kind of a sleeper uh, as far as running backs go. Probably a really good flex option. Yeah, uh, I think perfect me, flex. Let me talk about somebody that is no longer a Bronco, mm-hmm. but is now a Patriot. Demarius Thomas. He went off last night. Uh, I think we. He's been in the league a while, so you kind of forget about him. Like if Bay Bay Thomas, if he is there with Tom Brady, and you got Edelman and Gordon and White out the backfield, and Sonny Michelle, like, listen, man, Demarius Thomas in one-on-one situations. Either in a on a on a slant like for third downs or just in the red zone, like he's gonna kill people. Yeah, and I listen. I, I don't know how deep your draft is on what you got on the bench, what, how many flexes you got. I would draft Demarius Thomas if I was out there. Okay, let me write this down. Let me write this down, SpongeBob. Where 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 is uh where, what round? What round? Here's the thing, right? It's tough because he's not gonna be Edelman's still gonna be the guy in that offense from pass catches. So is James White. If you've read any reports, uh, Sonny Michelle as well. Then the, the rookie out of NC State's getting a ton of ton of love, right? But Myers, I believe, is his name. Yeah, Jacoby Myers. But if you need a, if you have a, if you have two flexes, or you just need a flex, you got a deep, you got a deep 12, uh, 12 team fantasy league. I would take Demarius Thomas no later than the seventh round. Hmm. Hmm. That's the hot take right there. That's a hot you're, take. You're welcome. Uh, I agree. I, win this money out here. You know what's scary about this this offense for the Patriots? This could be the best receiving corps Tom Brady has ever had. It's and that's say, that's had, saying a lot. He had Randy Moss and Wes Welker, but right. yeah. Um, and I say that because. Nikel Henry is going to be afforded the opportunity, depending on who they, they – they can literally pick at the litter. Either keep Philip Dorsett or Demarius Thomas. Keep them both. Trade away your rookie. I mean, you can't trade your rookies. Or I don't know how you can work that. But either you keep one, send the other for a pick. Yeah. Uh, keep the whole lot. Let go of Barrios from that was from um, – and let Julian Edelman still handle wide uh, prompt return duties. And um, there's so much that they can do with this offense. But just from a, from a strictly – X is no standpoint. You got it's going to be probably Nikhil Henry out on the X, Julian in at the slot, um, and then on the flip side, 
you can then go uh, Josh Gordon, my bad. I don't know why it took, took too long on that one. I don't either. So He's still a freak. He dropped some passes last night, but he, he, he's he's ru- he's he rusty. No, um, he has what's his what's his four four game suspension? Uh, yeah. no, I thought he could play. He's conditionally reinstated, but I thought he was a four game suspension. Oh, I didn't know. That. I thought he could. Just play. Oh, I might have to look in. I know Benjamin Watson suspended for four games, but yeah. receiving wise, I mean, Tom Brady. Is just smiling ear to ear right now. It is, it'll be scary to see what they do. Um, they're gonna incorporate everybody. They're gonna incorporate everybody, but I, I don't think you can really miss on anybody in this backfield. Only unless if you need to stretch it. Um, whether if you go James White, Sonny Michelle, the two constants, but I think you can pick up anybody from the Patriots uh, receiving court and still have a good week from them production wise because it'll be flavor of the week really, aside from Edelman and uh, Gordon maybe. Really good offense. Oh, it says when the Patriots kick off the 2019 campaign against the Steelers on September 8th, Gordon will be good to go. Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. So I would take Josh Gordon third round. That's high. That's high. Yeah. Listen, I, but I, he's so good. He's incredibly talented. I just, what do you, what do you, like, how long is he going to be there? You, your third round pick has to bring you value all season long. How long is yeah. Josh? That's 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 not a bad take. I, I understand that. that. I hope he's there for sixteen games. I hope I hope all is well with him mentally and like everything. I just I don't know. Yeah, I mean I've heard the reports. I've seen I've uh, heard the reports. Seen the report reports. You know Brady's had him over for dinners, all that type of stuff. So I think they're really taking a huge investment in making sure that he's well mentally, so that. Because his physical attributes are are already there, you can you always see that. But I think they're just trying to keep him even keel mentally. And obviously, um, you know, there's not much in Fox. I mean, there's stuff to do in Foxborough, but he's not going to be downtown Boston every weekend. So I think he'll be, he should be okay. You can get into trouble anywhere, though. There it is. Yeah. Um, but I guess all in all, I mean, we gave some pretty pretty decent breakdowns for for who you can go with um you really can't go wrong this draft big sleeper here really big sleeper this is probably these will be this probably be my last sleeper uh let's see what miko hardman does feel like they're gonna they're gonna get him involved heavily into the offense because you can it's basically gonna be it's gonna be uh tariq hill is gonna run a go He's going to come out because he's tired. Miko Hardman comes in, runs a go. Whoever is open, he's just going to get him the ball. But I feel like they're going to have the same amount of opportunities for major X plays and get touchdowns or just explosive plays, reverses, all type of stuff. So I would I'd put, uh, pick him up as a sleeper. That's my that's my big sleeper for the year. I also think Sammy Watkins doesn't play 16 games. So if he can take over what he does on the other side, right? Uh, I think he can have a huge year. Oh, I always feel bad for Sammy. It's just – not the. I mean, he's had a good. He's a good, good NFL. I just think when you saw him and Hopkins at Clemson, you were like, "These could be the two best receivers in the in the league." Hopkins has yeah. become that. Sammy Watkins is not. Yeah, yeah. Because Sammy Watkins was clearly better than Hopkins yeah. at in college uh, at Clemson, and you're just like, I can't wait to see what he does in the pros. It's kind of like when Reggie Bush came to the pros, um, and Reggie just couldn't. Reggie was good, but was Reggie what Reggie did at USC? No. Not at all. No. Because you expected him to come in and do what Barry did 
from making that so transition from Oklahoma State. Like Kale Sayers, it's like, man, like, no. But he was, listen, listen. Reggie Bush was really, really good. Yes, he was the, the best. He, right. The fact that he had a, a thousand yard seasons later in his career with like the Dolphins and the Lions, I think, solidified the fact that like he he was a really, really good running back. He was a really, really, he was a really good running back, but. You can't tell me that when you think of Reggie Bush's NFL career, you don't just jump automatically to getting plastered in the flats with the with the Saints versus the Eagles and him, you know, on his knees and bear crawling off the field. That's a bad throw by that's a bad throw by Drew Brees. It's a bad throw. But that's the imagery that you have for Reggie. You don't think no, of the image I have of him. You don't is- think of Fresno State uh run. You don't oh what you are you thinking of the run he had versus the versus the Cardinals, cut back, juke move in the middle of the field, run for T D. Or the punt I, return. I think of that one. I think of the one where he like his punt return, either as a rookie or maybe second year on the Saints, where he it, it looked like flashes of USC. I think it's it's tough. We're first off, we started on this conversation about Sammy Watkins not performing. I would say Reggie Bush has had a had a probably five five to seven time better career than Sammy Watkins has had at this point, right? I so, agree with that. I agree with that 100. Yeah. percent So. No, man, of course. What Reggie Bush did in college is uh, no, no one's ever – like, you just can't duplicate that. It's unbelievable. Right, but Barry Sanders did. That's that's my point. That's just my point. Like, he had a he had a good NFL career. It wasn't what Reggie Bush's career was supposed to be, though. Okay, I can, so you can say that. I, I'll, tell, I'll always agree with that. What what he was supposed to do – Didn't – He did, didn't come – Yeah. And I wish it did because his his runs were just – I mean, give him his Heisman back. That's all I'm going to say. Give him his Heisman back. There's a – somehow got this topic yesterday. Um, what's a better – what's the better play? The Reggie Bush dive in college where he, like, jumps over the guy and I think they're playing UCLA where he takes a toss, he goes left. Or, yeah. is it the, or is it the Mike Vick run down the sideline and he's supermans against the Panthers? Uh, I, I You know what? The Fresno State run was good, but I don't know why everyone blows that one out of proportion. No, I don't know why. The, the UCLA one. Or maybe it's yeah. – Yeah, no, no. I know you where he somersaults in the end zone and then he flips the ball like through his five. legs. From like the five, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was UCLA. That one was a dope run. Uh, I I don't know. His runs versus, uh, like versus Oregon, though, to me, were some of his best runs just because, like, well, he got a toss to the left, stops, reverses, completely reverses field from like the 17 yard line, runs it all the way in untouched. Like you can't do that in college football. No. Behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, but it, just between those two runs, I would say the UCLA run. And that UCLA game too, because he showed power, elusiveness, and just Reggie Bushisms, which were ridiculous. So I would take the UCLA run over, over, the, over, over the Mike Vick Panthers. Oh, Mike Vick Panthers. That was my question. I thought you or you said his run. I thought you were saying his Mike Vick run versus like Fresno. What are you talking about? Say that again. Not what I said at all. My question was, which which run is better, the UCLA Reggie Bush from the five, or the Mike Vick against the Panthers Superman play? Oh, I completely butchered this whole thing. I I heard something completely different. No, Mike Vick's run for the versus the Panthers is so much better. Yeah, that's what I said yesterday. To Superman knee dive, take you to all right. So if people don't know what Mike Vick did, Mike Vick took the lead versus the Panthers with time basically expiring, with the last 
workable drive that you could have. Workable drive is like a fourth and seven or something. Yeah, fourth down. They had called a timeout. They got their defense set. It's all eyes on Mike, and Mike gets the ball, sets, makes you know it's it's obviously a normal pass read, but he knew what he was doing. Let the he let the backers clear out, sees the lane, takes it up the middle, and from like the three dives in low to avoid the hit. And right before he crosses the plane, they're like, did his knee touch? His left leg pops his left knee off the ground, and then he dives in. Knee hits, gets touched in the end zone. Boom, boom, game. Falcons win. The Magnet, and it was a huge NFC South game. Everything that was on the line, Mike Vick's run. Un- unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, but, I don't know, athletics. I would go back and watch that Reggie Bush run. That Reggie Bush at UCLA, he jumped from the five. Like, that's 15. What? How far is that? Five yards. Uh, how many feet are in a yard? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's 15, like, uh, like 10, feet, 10 feet. I don't know. Let me see. Three yards. Of yard is three feet, right? I I don't know the conversion. I don't want to butcher it. I'm I got it. One second. Three feet. So that'd be fifteen. It is fifteen. Thank you. Um. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's impressive. It is. But I just think with everything that goes into what Mike Vick did. I I got to go with the Mike Vick. I I could be biased because Mike Vick's obviously my favorite athlete of all time. Could be just a little bit biased. Um, yeah. Well, we got to just get your lineups right. Everybody get ready. It's fantasy time. I know we today's show is the big breakdown of fantasy football. What we're going to bring to you for next show, because uh, I want to have the good mic on it, give the breakdowns. You know what it is. It's fall. It's what? It's men's must-haves for the fall season. Mm. So that's what we're going to start next pod off about. Pumpkin spice lattes. Don't go that route. Actually, have that red depend depending on which which area the 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 city you went out in the night before. That's what you need to have ready for for the next morning. But we're gonna tell you the men's must have essentials that you need to take in for the fall season so that you can get your boo loving on. Uh, but we appreciate y'all continue to listen. This is to the max. Make sure to follow us at everything to the max radio, uh, uh, and then. An, uh, to the max on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. You already know what we are. It's at Taylor Mac 29, at Steam Mac, everything. This is to the max. We appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one.